Now tied with the New Jersey Devils at two games apiece after dropping games three and four at home, the New York Rangers need to do a lot of things better in game five on Thursday night on the road against the Devils. We break down what those things are, including playing with a little bit more edge, a little bit more snarl, making life more difficult for Akira Schmid, an adjustment that absolutely must be made on the power play and much more. Going to be breaking down all those things and a few others as well on today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 814 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Check. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And uh, just going to jump right into it here. It's not really a ranking or anything like that. We're just going to list a couple of things that I think the Rangers uh, need to do better. And in some cases, get back to, you know, things that they were doing well in games one and two. And maybe these last two games, not so much. And in game four, they didn't really do anything well. So uh, we'll take that into consideration here as well. But uh, I think the first thing that we got to start with, and it's something that I just mentioned a second ago uh, in the intro there, is they got to make life a little bit tougher on Akira Schmidt. Now, let me say, Schmidt has played very well. He stepped into a very difficult situation. His team was down two games to none after losing the first two games by a combined score of 10 to 2. Uh, you know, the one goal that the Rangers scored was an empty netter. So uh, we'll we'll react to that and we'll say that the Rangers uh, basically scored nine goals in the first two games. And, you know, obviously the Devils absolutely had to have game three. You just can't be falling into a three games to none hole. Uh, they got it with an overtime win. And as I said, Akira Schmidt has played very well, stopped 49 of 51 shots in the two games combined. The thing is, it felt to me like there were times where Schmidt could basically be drinking a beer while he was making some of these saves. You know, there's no traffic in front of the net for the Rangers right now. Uh, Schmidt in Game 4, I thought, was giving up a decent amount of rebounds, and yet the Rangers never seemed to be able to get to the loose puck before the Devils did. Uh, there were no second-chance opportunities of any kind in this game, whether it's, you know, getting to a rebound or, you know, the puck laying in the crease and somebody being there to try to stuff at home. Very, very few, if any, uh, second-chance opportunities for the Rangers in that game. And you guys know, you know, the playoffs can be a little bit of a grind, and uh, you get a lot of those dirty goals. And sooner or later, you know, you're going to have to score a goal where the save is made, but the puck's laying there in the crease, and you got three or four guys total in the crease, you know, a couple of guys from each team battling for the puck. Sooner or later, you're going to have to score on one of those, stuff the puck into the net before the goalie uh, can stop it or before a defender can clear it. Uh, but, you know, it, again, they're just making life too easy. That's the theme here. There's too many Ranger power plays, basically every single one of them over the last two games, and especially game four, where the Rangers get on the power play, and that's great because we saw this power play fire on all cylinders in the first two games. But every power play seems to start with uh, the Devils either winning the faceoff clean or maybe they don't win it clean, but they eventually they get possession of the puck before the Rangers do. And that's just a matter of willpower at that point. Uh, and then they work out of the zone and shoot it down the rink. And as I said in a recent episode, you know, that's obviously not an ideal way to start a power play. Now, of course, the devil's clearing right at the start of the power play. That doesn't mean the Rangers can't go get the puck and can't possibly score for the remaining, you know, one minute and 50 seconds uh, that's left on the power play. But that's just a really rough way to start every single man advantage that you have. And it's kind of a deflating way to start every single man advantage that you have. So uh, again, you know, you, you give them a little bit of a reprieve. Schmidt gets a little bit of a breather uh, on the, at the start of every power play because every power play begins with the 
Devils getting control of the puck and shooting it down the rink. And uh, then obviously, if you're the Rangers, you got to go get it and set everything up all over again. Uh, but, you know, again, there, there's no there's no deflection attempts. We've seen very few, if any, deflection deflections, period, uh, in these last couple of games here. The one that kind of stood out was early in the game, in game four. You had Adam Fox taking a shot from the blue line. Alexi Lafreniere got the deflection. Schmidt got a piece of it. It was laying there in the crease for just a second. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that was when uh, Siegenthaler cleared the puck down the ice, got it to Hughes. Hughes scored on the breakaway. Um, so unfortunate that that didn't quite go in there. But, uh, yeah, deflection attempts, you know, they were, they were few and far between, certainly in game four, I think also in game three as well. And there's very few screens as well. It feels like Schmidt has pretty much a clean look at every single shot that's coming his way. Just not a lot of traffic in front of him. And again, it all goes back to the theme where the Rangers are just making things too easy. As, as far as the one-timers, uh, those have not been crisp either. It seems like every time the Rangers go for a one-timer, you know, uh, one, one of a couple of different things happen. Either the pass is slightly off and it's not in position where the guy can really wind back and crank it. Or there's a situation where, you know, maybe he gets a decent piece of it, a good shot on the one-timer, but he's sending it high of the net, wide of the net, whoever's taking the one-timer, uh, not very good as far as the shot accuracy is concerned. And there's been a couple of one-timers where, you know, they basically just shank it and don't get much on it. And uh, obviously you're not going to score uh, if that's the, the case. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention here, and it's something that uh, Steve Valaket talked about during one of the intermissions, I believe the second intermission for game four, uh, there's been too many one percenters by the Rangers. That was a term that he used. And what he means by that is there's too many Rangers shots right now that have about a 1% chance of going in. You know, if, if you've got the puck along the boards and there's nobody in front of the net, there's nobody even else on the TV frame, you know, as far as other Ranger players, and you're just playing the puck at the net, like it's not going to go by him. Any goalie in the NHL is going to make that save. Any goalie in high school is probably going to make that save. And uh, it's just not a recipe for success. And again, this is coming for some from somebody. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I'm a big proponent of putting the puck at the net, especially in the playoffs. You never know when you can get a deflection, when you can get a rebound try, uh, when the goalie might get screened, or maybe even just gives up a soft goal. Maybe just something as simple as that. But it's not going to happen when the goalie has a 100% clean look. There's nobody in front of him. There's no traffic in front of the net for either a reflection, uh, deflection, excuse me, or a uh, stuff in try after the initial save is made. Um, it, it's just not going to work. It's, it's not going to work when you're along the boards and just, you know, softly putting the putt toward the net. Now, there was one instance in the last game where Patrick Kane did that. I think in his instance, it certainly looked like he was shooting for a rebound and he got it. Uh, unfortunately, the Rangers were not able uh, to bury the rebound. So if that's the case, if you're shooting for a rebound, I can at least understand that. But for the most part, again, when the Rangers were taking shots, uh, they just were not of the high danger variety. And if you don't have, a, if you have a shot that only has a 1% chance of going in, then don't shoot it. Either hang on to possession of the puck, or if there's somebody on you, you know, make a pass, or all else fails, you know, just play it around the boards behind the net and at least go back to work back there and uh, try to win a 50-50 puck and see if you can't uh, create a scoring opportunity after that. But the one percenters, they got to go because uh, no goalie in hockey is going to allow the Rangers to score on some of these shots uh, that they've basically just been settling for uh, in the last two games of the series. And once again, especially in game four, which as we already discussed in the last episode was a complete disaster. Uh, we're going to continue rolling here, talk about a couple other things that the Rangers need to do better, including playing with more physicality and more edge, bunch of other things as well. Definitely going to talk about an adjustment that needs to happen on the power play. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second here. But first, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. 
Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you're about to have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're going to keep everything rolling here. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And for the everydayers, in our next episode, Thursday's episode before Game 5, we're going to do another episode, and we're going to talk about uh, which players for the Rangers really need to step up their game going forward in the rest of this series. And uh, I'm sure you guys can already probably figure out a couple of them, but we're going to list them anyway and um, you know, just talk about some of the things that maybe they can do a little bit better uh, as the series continues. Uh, but for right now, yeah, let's go ahead and keep talking about uh, things that the team in general need to do if they're going to get back on track here, get a win in Game 5. I think they have to play with more physicality and more edge. Uh, let's start with hit totals for the first four games of this series. And granted, you know, hits, they're not the end-all be-all when it comes to, you know, measuring how much physicality a team is playing with or how much edge they're playing with, but it's a very good place to start. You know, the hit category is usually pretty indicative of, of how physical a team is playing in any given game. So again, the hit totals, game one, Rangers out hit the Devils 32 to 30. Game two, the Rangers and Devils were Rangers and Devils were tied with 39 hits each. Game three, the Devils out hit the Rangers 31 to 23. So uh, the hit totals really fall off a cliff for the Rangers in Game three, and then uh, even er, they actually had one more hit in Game four. They out hit the Devils 24 to 21. But the bottom line is uh, the Rangers have not been playing nearly as physical in these last couple of games here. Uh, you know, you think back to games one and two. How many times? Did the Devils, you know, turn over the puck thanks to pressure by the Rangers? You know, a lot of times the Rangers were knocking certain players on the Devils off the puck. Uh, there were times where uh, the Devils were failing to skate the puck over the blue line. They would lose control right after they they gained entry. Uh, there were times, plenty of times, where the Rangers were knocking Jack Hughes to the ice and, you know, making life difficult on him, playing physical with him. That's probably the way to go. And in those first two games, Jack Hughes didn't really do much of anything. I mean, I know he scored uh, in game one. Was it game one? Yeah, game one, he scored on the uh, penalty shop. That was with like three minutes left. Rangers were up 4 nothing at the time, so didn't really matter all that much. And for the most part, uh, Hughes did very little in those first two games. Uh, but when I get back to talking about physicality and snarl and everything, good example in game four here. So Nico Heeshear slides into Igor Shesterkin, and there was no response by the Rangers. And let me preface everything I'm going to say here with the fact that I don't believe that was a dirty hit or a dirty play by Heeshear or anything like that. Uh, he's trying to get to the puck. He's trying to drive to the net. He's trying to score a goal. He's trying to make things happen. Uh, lost balance, crashes into Igor. 
Uh, unfortunate, but it does happen. Again, I'm not going to go nuts about that as a Ranger fan seeing that happen. Um, but be that as it may, if you're a player on the Rangers, you should probably respond at least somehow here. I mean, you, you can't obviously just attack the guy and take a penalty and put yourself in a bad spot, put your team in a bad spot, being shorthanded. But uh, the fact that nobody really, like, got in his face or nobody went up to him, nobody shoved him at all, I mean, nothing at all. You know, do something, at least say something, you know, and, and there was just no response at all. That didn't really sit right with me. And again, I don't think it was a dirty hit. I did not like the Timo Meyer play in game three where, you know, he kind of fell on top of Igor Shosturkin accidentally on purpose. We call that the Nick Ritchie special uh, here on Locked On New York Rangers. So I didn't like that one. This thing with Heischer, I, I didn't have a problem with anything Heischer did. I just had a little bit of an issue with the Rangers. Uh, again, not looking to stand up for their goalie, not getting in his face a little bit, especially when Igor Shosturkin uh, has played as well as he has through the uh, first four games of this series. Obviously, he's only allowed, uh, let's see, six goals in four games or uh, six goals in 13 periods if you want to include uh, the game three overtime period. Um, but yeah, uh, what, one good news here is that, one bit of good news is that Gerard Gallant called the Rangers out after this game, and I think it's probably a good thing that he did that. Uh, if you guys remember, first of all, they just weren't good enough. I mean, you, you got to play better than this. You got to play with a little bit more uh, determination, a little bit more urgency. Just got to be a little bit sharper. Got to handle the puck a little bit better. Raiders basically had to do just about everything better. The only thing they did somewhat well in game four was defend. I, they kept the... Uh, the Devils' star players from really taking over. But Gerard Gallant called them out after this game in Game 4. And if you guys remember, uh, the last time in the playoffs that Gerard Gallant really kind of called out the Rangers, uh, I believe it was Game 4 against the Penguins in the first round last year. He he actually used the S-word. He, he described them as soft. He thought it was a soft uh, performance. Game 5, they came out. Uh, everybody on the Rangers was hitting everything that moves. And we know what happened next. Uh, the Rangers, you know, obviously rallying out of that three-to-one hole. And as I say that out loud, I mean, look, this is not an ideal situation for the Rangers to be in because they won the first two games in convincing fashion on the road. Then they come home, they lose the next two games, and now it's 2-2 in a series where you know the Rangers have had a chance to really take a stranglehold here. Um, but you know what? They were down 3-1 at this point last year. So when you say it that way, it doesn't sound quite as bad. And obviously, what happened last year doesn't have much to do with what's going to happen this year. I like to think, though, that in the Ranger playoff run last year, you know, the first five times they faced elimination in the playoffs last year, uh, they won all five of those games and stayed off elimination and uh, ultimately advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I like to think uh, that they got some good experience from that, and hopefully they come out swinging and come out playing uh, with more physicality and more snarl in Game 5 than, than certainly we saw in Game 4, because there was none of that. It was it was way too civil of a uh, playoff game between the Rangers and Devils. We know there's no love lost between these teams. For that matter, there's no love lost between the fan bases either. Uh, you just expect a little bit more chippiness, a little bit more in-your-face, a little bit more edge from both teams. And, um, you know, the Rangers have to have to bring it. They, they got to deliver in that department uh, in Game 5. Uh, another thing I want to move on to here involves the power play. For the love of God, put Mika Zibanejad back on the left side on the power play. And there actually was a tweet that went out a little bit earlier. I'm recording this a little bit later than usual here on uh, Wednesday. Uh, but there was a tweet that went out from Vince Mercagliano, and he mentioned that on the power play, it looks like uh, Mika Zibanejad has moved back to the left side, so he's not going to be in the bumper. Uh, Vince actually mentioned that nobody's really in the bumper role right now. You know, they got Kane, I believe he's on the right side. Uh, he has the freedom to you know drift toward the net and act as the bumper if he so desires. But it sounds like the Rangers were uh, really working on the power play today at practice, 
rightfully so, because that unit really needs to, to step it back up here. Um, but yeah, Mika Zibanejad has to be on the left side. He could play bumper now and then. He can make some nice passes and whatnot. Uh, but I got to see Mika Zibanejad unleashing that slap shot, unleashing that one-timer from time to time, even unleashing that wrist shot. I mean, Mika's got a great wrist shot too. Um, and... You know, again, the last game, we saw Mika end up with just one shot on goal. That's not enough. This is your best shooter on the team. Uh, you got to feed him the puck on the power play. And I've talked at times, you know, throughout the season, there have been times where the Ranger power play gets a little bit too dependent, a little bit too uh, reliant on the Mika Zibanejad one-timer, and they don't really try a whole lot of other things. But I'm at the point where, um, you know, seeing as little from Mika as we saw and as few shots on goal as we saw, uh, feed him the puck let him unleash those one-timers. I want to see, as soon as the first power play of the game begins for the Rangers, let's start feeding that guy the puck and see if he can't bury one. Because Mika's do. I mean, he's got to play better, and uh, he's certainly a player that we're going to talk about in tomorrow's episode for the everydayers. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the players that needs to step up his game going forward here. Uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. Uh, I want to uh, talk about a couple other things, obviously, that the Rangers can do a little bit better, including uh, puck recovery, and very simply, best players being your best players. We saw that in the first two games. We have not seen any of that in the most recent two games. So uh, we will do all of that good stuff and a couple other things as well in just a second. All right, so another thing the Rangers can do better, they can recover the puck uh, certainly better than they have in the most recent two games here, the two games in New York. Um, they were very, very good in this department in the first two games. I thought they were a step faster than the Devils in the first two games, especially on the power play. You know, a lot of the Rangers' success on the power play in the first two games in New Jersey, it was due in large part to their ability to recover loose pucks. Not every single uh, power play for the Rangers did they score on their first opportunity, but they just stuck with it. Uh, they were determined, and every time the puck was loose on the power play, and obviously, you know, both teams are scrambling for it. The Rangers want to keep the ozone possession alive. The Devils want to get to the puck and clear it out of there. The Rangers were winning every foot race to every loose puck. You know, the puck's in the corner. The Rangers were going to get it. The puck's loose in front of the net. The Rangers are, you know, digging it out of there and getting it back to the point, and okay, we're still set up here. We still got this offensive zone possession going. They were winning board battles as well. Uh, but in these last two games, not really much of that to be seen. The Devils look like the faster team, the sharper team, and frankly, the team that just wants it more. You know, again, we can talk about like zone entries and power play personnel and where should Mika play on the power play and, you know, defending your blue line and, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, hockey, it's still a test of wills. It's a battle. It's who wants it more. And I think that's one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons, but that's one of the reasons why the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best playoff tournament in sports. Um, it, it a lot of times comes down to the team that just digs a little bit deeper, just works a little bit harder. And having talent is nice, but having talent means less in the Stanley Cup playoffs than it does probably in any other sport. You know, basketball, the more talented team usually wins. Uh, football, same thing. Baseball, I mean, a lot of it has to do with pitching, you know, but the bottom line is I, I think talent, it's nice in hockey, but it doesn't go quite as far in the Stanley Cup playoffs as it does in the, uh, the other playoffs for the other sports. It's nice, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And so, yeah, I mean, the Rangers have a lot of talent, so too do the Devils. But uh, it's going to come down to which team wants it more, which team is going to win more of those 50-50 pucks, which team is going to go to work uh, when it comes to the board battles, which team is going to out-hit the opponent, which team is just going to be more locked into the game, which team is going to skate better, which team is going to handle the puck better. It's it's a battle of wills here. And, and you know, the Rangers, they have to do a better job uh, recovering loose pucks in, in both ends of the ice. Um, so that's one big thing. Another big thing here... And 
I don't know. This one, we, we talked about this with Trey Matthews from Lockdown New Jersey Devils. We've done a couple of crossover episodes with him uh, before and now during the series. And Trey does a great job with Lockdown Devils. So definitely recommend checking that out as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's a cliche that him and me both talked about where you have to have your best players be your best players around this time on the ice. And Trey and me, when we did our most recent crossover, it was after game two. And at the time, that was the biggest storyline that there was. The Rangers' best players were playing great hockey. And the Devils' best players weren't doing much of anything. You know, Jack Hughes looked okay in the first two games, never really got loose, never really, you know, looked all that tremendously dangerous. And then you've got other guys who hadn't done anything and to this point really still haven't done anything. And that's one thing that you have to credit the Rangers for. Um, the Devils' best players, some of them are having solid series and some of them certainly look dangerous out there, but the Rangers have done a nice job not allowing any of the Devils' superstar players to really take over this series. You know, Jack Hughes, he's up to three goals uh, in four games now, but no one else on the Devils has more than even one goal. And I realize that's a byproduct of playing in some low-scoring games. Uh, be that as it may, though, the Rangers have done well against the star players. Timo Meyer does not have a point. Dawson Mercer does not have a point. Uh, Brat, he, he's up to three assists, and he's looked better in the last couple of games here. Uh, he's a really good skater, and we've seen a lot of that recently. Uh, he sure has just two assists. So, again, the Rangers are, are holding their own and, and playing well, defending well against some really dangerous players for the Devils. They've done a nice job of uh, not letting any of these guys completely take over this series because they have a talented bunch over there just like the Rangers do. As far as the Rangers star players, you know, and again, once again, in, in tomorrow's episode, we will spotlight uh, some players for the Rangers that need to step up. Uh, but for the time being, I'll just say uh, the Rangers basically need to get a little bit more from all their star players. And you can start with the uh, two probably most obvious uh, examples, and that's Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. Panarin does not have a point in this series since the Rangers were up 2-0 in the first period of Game 1. I think it was the first period. might have been the second, but bottom line, yeah, I think it was the first period. Uh, Panarin had the secondary assist on each of the Rangers' first two goals in Game 1. Uh, he does not have a point since then. And I said after Game 1, I thought Panarin looked great. It wasn't just the two assists. I thought overall he played well in that game, even had some nice defensive plays. Um, I thought that he looked ready for a really big playoff run, and, I mean, hey, he still could. The story hasn't been written yet, but he hasn't done a whole lot ever since that first period of Game 1 when he got those secondary assists. They need more from Mika Panarin. Uh, yeah, Mika and Panarin, but certainly Artemi Panarin. And, uh, you know, he, in Game 4, did not have a good game at all. Made all those, uh, you know, blind passes across the ice to absolutely no one and basically just gave up the puck every single time that he did it. On to Mika Zibanejad. With Mika, I mean, where's that shot of his? You know, we talked about this a second ago when we were talking about the power play, but Mika Zibanejad in the first four games combined has only eight shots on goal. It's not a completely anemic amount, but it's also not enough uh, for somebody that can put the puck in the net the way that Mika Zibanejad can. I mean, you would not think for a second that after four games, uh, Mika Zibanejad would have only eight shots on goal. And uh, again, you got to start got to start feeding Mika Zibanejad the puck and trying to make that happen. Uh, Vincent Trocek is another one. Um, you know, going into game four, I said, watch out for Vincent Trocek. He did get the game time goal there. Uh, but that is his only point of the series so far. Uh, I think there's times where Trocek has looked dangerous, but it's been a quiet run so far uh, for him. And really, that entire second line, uh, Panarin, Trocek, and Tarasenko, they have done very, very little. And I know they flip-flopped Mika and Trocek in the last game. It sounds like they're going to be going back to the uh, starting lineup that they did for the first four games going into game five here. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at that second line that's basically been together the whole series. Panarin's got two assists and none since the first period of game one. Mika has two assists. Tarasenko has two goals. 
but his most recent goal was in the second period of game two. So a quiet handful of games uh, for that line and really the Rangers as a whole. And look, again, I realize the Rangers have only scored two goals in the most recent two games. So everybody's stats being underwhelming is going to be a byproduct of that. But I mean, that's just the point. They need to get more from just about everybody on this team. And look, I realize, you know, we're just starting the playoffs here. It's a small sample size. It is just four games, but you know what? Welcome to the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, you don't have a lot of time to put your best foot forward and find your A game and make things happen. You know, rack up a couple of points, create some havoc, um, you know, at least create some good scoring opportunities. You know, this a series can get away from you pretty quickly if you're not careful and if you're not playing your best. And I think, you know, going into this next one, the, the big thing is they just need a be- better effort, excuse me, from pretty much all of their top guys. The top six, those guys were completely missing in action in this last game, and they need to be better. And I also realize the Devils have played a lot better in these last two games. So that has something to do with it as well. But, you know, two things can be true. The Devils have played better, and the Rangers just were not sharp in game four. You put those two things together, and you get a Devils win, and you get a series that is now tied at two games apiece. Uh, One more thing that I think that the uh, Rangers must do better And this is actually something that they're sort of going to be doing for the first time in the series. I want them to, once again, embrace that underdog mentality. For some reason, this Ranger team, whether you look at what they did last year in the playoffs or what they're doing so far this year in the playoffs, they seem to be at their best when their backs are against the wall and people are not expecting much of them and basically think that they're going to lose. You know, after two games of this series... Uh, Ranger fans and pretty much just general hockey fans were all saying, oh, you know, the Devils, they're frauds. And, uh, you know, the the Rangers, they're going to cruise. It's going to be a sweep. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Um, And then after four games, it's like, oh, the Rangers can't get it done. Uh, They're going to lose four in a row. The Devils are going to advance. Look, it's a two to two series. It almost doesn't really matter how we got here. And and for anybody that thought that the series was over when it was 2-0 or who now thinks that the Devils will definitely win just because it's two to two, I'm begging you to pay attention. Just pay attention. Look at what the Rangers did last year. They were in a series where they got down three games to one, came back and won. They were in a series where they were down 2-0 as well as 3-2, came back and won the series. They were in a series where they were up 2-0, lost that series in six games. Just looking at what the Rangers did last year, you see examples of three different examples of a playoff series never being over. Now, look, when a team gets up 2 to nothing, they're obviously going to win a playoff series more often than not. But, you know, a team coming back from 2-0 down to win a playoff series, that's not like some super rare occurrence. And a team losing games 3-4 and four to tie the series at 2-2, they can still win the series too. That's not a rare occurrence either. Um, so, you know, again, there's just, there's a million different ways this thing can still play out. And we've already seen examples of it going back however many years you want to go. Uh, we've seen teams come back from 3-1. We've seen teams come back from 2-0. We've seen, we've actually seen a couple of teams come back from 3-0. I believe that's only happened four times. And that's obviously quite the task to accomplish, uh, but it can be done. And, you know, game to game, there, there's not really a ton of uh, momentum carryover, at least not as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I don't think that's really a thing that uh, exists all that much in hockey. Maybe in other sports a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. The whole momentum thing, to to go on a brief tangent here, the whole momentum thing to me in sports is completely overdone. And the reason I think this, part of the reason I think this, is growing up, the sport I played more than any other was baseball, and I'm still fortunate enough to get to play uh, once a week on Sunday mornings, and that's cool and everything. I, again, I've been playing baseball for about 30 years now. I have never once found myself thinking about momentum. You know, 
And, and baseball, of all the sports, that's the one where you've got the most time. You know, you can let your mind wander a little bit. There's more downtime in baseball than other sports. You guys play sports. Some of you might be playing sports right now. We could have some uh, high school athletes, college athletes. Maybe there's a pro athlete listening to this. Who knows? Has anyone ever been playing a sport and been thinking about, wow, we had the momentum, but now they have the momentum. We have to get back the momentum. I, I don't think it's really as much of a thing. It's just one of those sports cliches that always gets thrown out there from time to time. And especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't really believe in it at all. I think every single game is its own you know, self-contained story, basically. And we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if the Devils win the next game, then maybe people point at it and say, well, it's the momentum. But to me, uh, it's not really that. The team that wins the next game is going to be the team that plays better. Uh, more likely than not. Uh, but I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. And uh, we will once again be back with uh, our episode for the everydayers in tomorrow's episode about uh, the players on the New York Rangers. They really need to step things up uh, heading into game five here. Very much looking forward to doing that episode and very much looking forward uh, to watching game five in New Jersey. Uh, But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely make sure to give give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.